how good it is to, to hear us sing of God's faithfulness and his mercy and his kindness to us, his pardon for sin, his peace that endures. Uh, this is the God that we serve. A God who is uh, so kind. A God who is great and awesome in all of his ways, and yet a God who, who stoops. <laughs> uh, a God who uh, does not leave us where we are, but in his great love and kindness comes to where we are and brings us to where he is. How great of a God we serve. Amen? Amen. Let's turn in our Bibles to Psalm 107, the 107th Psalm. And when you're there, say, I'm there. <laughs> All right. 107th Psalm. All right, are we all there? All right, let's begin at verse 1. The psalmist writes, O give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His steadfast love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. I remember when, when Joshua was a little bit younger, uh, he heard me preach, I was preaching this one Sunday several years ago, and when I got to that line, let the redeemed of the Lord say so, he yelled out loud, so! <laughs> Which I don't think is what the psalmist was asking for here, but, but we'll roll with it, we'll roll with it. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from trouble and gathered in from the lands, from the east and from the west, from the north and from the south. Skip down to the end of the psalm. Look at verse 43, last verse in the psalm. Whoever is wise, let him attend to these things. Let them consider the steadfast love of the Lord. Let's pray together. Father, we need your help today. We need your help. Thank you for this psalm which you declare, I am your helper. I am your redeemer. You've come to the right place. So Lord, I pray that we would hear not only the testimony of this psalm, but, but may we who have been redeemed indeed say so, that the world may know, that, that he, our, our church family here would know, and that our neighbors and even the nations would know the kind of God that you are. You have indeed been good to us. May we not stay silent. May we speak so that the world may know this is the one true living God. Lord, I know that there's some who are here that don't know this. They, they have not come to experience for themselves the redemption that you have purpose to bring. And so, Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would open eyes, open ears, open hearts, open lives to this great message. There is no greater news in all of the earth than to know that the God who should judge us has indeed come to rescue us from that very judgment. 
God saves us from God. How good of a message that is. May they turn from their sin by the power of your Holy Spirit and may they come wholeheartedly and wholelivedly to our Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord, for all of these things. We ask big things because you're a big God and you're able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we could ask or think. So shock us today, Lord, with your power and your might and your mercy and your love. We thank you. We give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. There we were, driving uh, down the interstate in typical fashion. I was the one behind the wheel, and so we were obeying traffic laws. I'm not throwing shade at anybody, but, but we were uh, uh, driving down the interstate, and we were having a great time. We were. We were, we were talking with one another uh, as a family. We were singing songs, listening to uh, audio books and radio theater and all of these different things, just having so great of a time that I completely missed the exit. Completely missed it. And I thought what you've probably thought in those moments when you have had that same experience. I'm just assuming that most of y'all with your driver's licenses uh, have had an experience where you've driven and completely missed your turn, completely missed your exit or something. You thought what I thought. Well, I'll just take the next one. Not knowing that there wasn't a next one for a long time. And I look at my Maps app only to see that what should have taken a certain, certain amount of time, uh, well, because I missed that exit, I just added about half an hour to my trip. All I wanted in that moment was an exit, a place where I could turn off, turn around, and go back to where I should have gone. What I wanted in that moment was a U-turn. I I just suspect that there are many of you here who have come to places in your lives where you have really wanted a U-turn. Maybe some of you are in a situation like that right now. Maybe there's some of you who are in financial trouble. You don't make that much in your job. You've got really no path toward a promotion or upward mobility or anything like that. And Uh, You aren't close enough to anyone in your neighborhood or your church for assistance, and and you're perhaps even estranged from your family. You've made more meals out of rotisserie chickens and ramen noodles than, uh, than you thought previously possible. But no matter how much you try to adjust and tweak the budget, no matter how much you try to pull out and say, we can do without this and do without that, You simply can't afford to spend much more on groceries and stay afloat on your bills. You just don't see how you could ever get out of the wasteland when so many of your resources have dried up. Maybe you find yourself deep in legal trouble. Maybe you passed you, you, uh, you played fast and loose with the law, or maybe you trusted in somebody that you thought was reliable, that you thought would read the fine print for you, only to find out that they didn't do as good of a job as you paid them for. And now the consequences of your choices have hit you with a vengeance. You got, perhaps for some, you, you know what it's like to have a criminal record. 
You know that when you have such a thing, that your options for a job, your options for a loan, your options for a better car, even a house, are slim. And you fear that there may not be a light at the end of this tunnel. Maybe you were in love with the wrong person. Your friends and family tried to warn you. They saw the signs. They saw the, the, uh, the warning signs there. They saw flaws, but, but no one could tell you anything. You were in love. Only to find out for yourself the kind of person that he was. You feared that you might be stuck in this relationship. All you feel is the guilt and the remorse and all you hear in your head is, they told me so. Maybe you were doing fine. And, and you were feeling a sense of calm and stability. No problems in sight until you received the news that mom fell. She was rushed to the ER. And while she was there, they found an unusual lump. And after running some, uh, some tests, they gave the dreaded diagnosis, your mom has cancer. You have to rearrange your work schedule, strain your relationships at the office. Uh, you have to spend extended times at her house, which puts a strain on the folks back home. And you wish your siblings would pitch in, but, but, but they're just uh, too far away or, or too busy to pitch in. And, and it all just seems too much for one person. To bear. If you're in a situation similar to this, it's easy to feel hopeless. It's easy to feel like you're the only one who truly understands what you're going through. What do you do when your resources dry up? What do you do when there's no light in sight at the end of your tunnel? What, what do you do when your choices make a huge mess? What do you do when you're buried under unforeseen burdens? If you feel hopeless about your future, you've come to the right place. <laughs> you are surrounded by men and women, boys and girls who have faced similar situations as you, yet they've witnessed the power of God to reverse the course in their lives. We who have experienced such reversals in our lives, we've got a story to tell you. We want you to know today the God of the U-turn. That's exactly what this psalm is about, isn't it? Note no, no, at the beginning. Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. He's good. The, the one thing that it's hard for you to, to grasp when you're going through these tough situations. No, he is good. Good. Give thanks to him. He's good. His steadfast love endures forever. One of my favorite words in the Hebrew is the word chesed. Can y'all say that? Chesed. Now, you got to get into your Greek there, you know. Uh, it's April, so it should come a little bit easier for you to just, you know, like that, you know. So chesed. Can y'all do that? Good, good, good. Now, now, now keep it there. Don't, that's why you got masks on. You know, it's nasty. But, but, but it's one of my favorite words in the Hebrew. I, I, I call it God's rickroll. Um, 
I'll explain. Um, because because this is, we say in here, uh, his steadfast love. You may have, uh, if you're reading other translations, his loyal love, his loving kindness, and so on. This is God's never going to give you up, never going to let you down, never going to turn around and desert you love. That's what this is, okay? This is God saying, I love you, I have loved you, I will love you, I'll never stop loving you. This is the love that I have for you. You. I love you this much. I know if you're going through a situation like anything that I mentioned before, you hear that and you go, ah, but, but really? Really? Because it sure doesn't feel like love right now. It sure doesn't feel like, like I'm going, like I'm experiencing right now the love of God. How can I be experiencing the love of God as I'm going back and forth from my home to mom's home to make sure that she's doing well? How, how do I, how do I uh, call this the love of God when, when I'm buried deep into this relationship? How do I say that I'm experiencing the love of God, when I'm, when I'm struggling to make ends meet, and, and, and if I eat another can of Spam, I'm going to lose my mind. You know, how, 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 do you, how do you say that this is the love of God? Well, here's the thing. We here have some stories that we need to tell you about the love of God. We want you to know the love of God to give us U-turns in our lives, okay? The, the word that he uses for, for U-turns here is in verse 2. It's the word redeemed. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from trouble and gathered in from the lands, from the east and from the west, from the north and from the south. Folks who were in terrible situations, folks who were in crises uh, uh, that we could not imagine, and yet God gathers them all together. Why? So that we can trade our stories. We can exchange notes and, sh and, and share for one another, hey, look what God did in my life. And not only so that we can see what God did in our lives, but for those of you who have yet to experience the U-turn in your lives so that you may hear those stories and say, if God could do that for them, what could God do for me? Now, the psalmist here gives four different scenarios. He, he just said, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. And it seems like there are four groups of people that step up and say, oh, oh, oh we, we want to say so. <laughs> we want to talk about our redemption. We want to talk about how God has rescued us. And, and I think that, he's, uh, that the psalmist does this here so that you can hear not only your story in their stories, but also so that it would motivate you then to say, you know what, I've got a story to tell. I need to, and we need to, I think the psalm is instructing us, we need to share our U-turn stories with others. We need to share them. You got a story to tell? Has God been faithful to you? Has God rescued you? Share it. Has God given you a U-turn in your life? Tell someone about it. So here are four groups of people who have gone through some dire situations, and he's going to talk about what he, what the Lord did. I, I, I put them in four different categories. These four groups of people, I put them in four different categories. These are people who have experienced economic distress, people who have experienced uh, legal distress, people who have experienced moral distress, and people who have experienced natural distress. Is that up there? Hey, look at that. It's working. Praise God. All right. So, so notice this. Let's look at the text. First, let's look at the ones that are in economic distress. Look at verse, verses 4 and 5. 
some wandered in desert wastes, finding no way to a city to dwell in. Hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted within them. So, so you see what's going on there? They're, they're, they're in a desert, they're, uh, and, and they're experiencing everything that happens in a desert. They're, they not only have a lack of resources, but they also have a lack of relationships, okay? They're in a situation where, where they're hungry, they're thirsty, but they're in a desert. There's, there's no Harris Teeter in the desert. Okay, and, and so they're 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 uh, famished here. They're parched here, but also, as it says there, they find no way to a city to dwell in. You see, if they go into a city, not only do they have resources, but they have friends. And so you think about even in our situation here in Raleigh, there are plenty of folks that we could talk about who, who don't have the connections with people. They don't have the resources with folks. They are in that situation. Maybe you have been in that situation before. Maybe you are in that situation right now. You need help, but there's nowhere to turn. Uh, you need resources, but there's no one to provide. Annie and I had that situation when we were starting seminary. God blessed me with an opportunity to go with a scholarship to go to seminary uh, in Texas. And so we uprooted our place from the Maryland, Pennsylvania area, and we moved down to Texas. And here we were in Texas, and I was just thinking, hey, you know, we'll come down to Texas. I've been in ministry. I've been on staff at a church and all of that. I'll just go and say, hey, my name is Ron Jor. I, I've been on staff. Can I be on staff here? You know, and, and, and all of that. Now, granted, I was young and stupid. I had no idea. I had no idea, first off, that that's not how like ministry works. <laughs> and, and I also had no idea about the state of Texas, where the cafeteria lady has a master's from seminary, right? I mean, you know, everybody has gone to seminary. And so I'm there, and I'm like, hey, you know, how you doing? My name's Rod Jordan, and, you know, I'd, I'd love to get involved in ministry. And they're like, great. The line starts all the way back there. And so I'm going, well, I... I, I, don't, I don't know anybody down here. We don't have resources. We were flying through our savings because I was having a hard time finding a job. We called my folks and I said, Mom, Dad, I really need some help. Here's the thing, though. Um, Mom and Dad purchased a home in uh, 2006. We moved in 2007. And you all know what happened in 2008. Yeah, they can't help. So, so now we're going, Lord, there's no way that we're going to make it through this. We were in that desert situation. Where, where I'm, I remember there was a Sunday morning when uh, it came time for the offering. And I pulled out my wallet and opened up my wallet. I had $4 in my wallet, $4 bills. And that was it. There was nothing else that I could give to the Lord. And I remembered after that service, I just quietly got up. I went over into the men's bathroom, I went into one of the stalls, shut it and locked it, sat and cried. I said, God, I have nothing. Mom and dad can't help us. There's no job opening or anything. We have nothing. Lord, we can't afford to go back home. We're stuck. I know exactly about this situation here in verses four and five. Some of y'all are in that situation. Some of you were in that situation. Mm. That's the economic distress. Look at the second one, the legal distress. Uh, look at the, uh, uh, you skip down uh, a few verses uh, to verse 10. Some sat in darkness and in the shadow of death, prisoners in affliction and in irons, 
For they had rebelled against the words of God and spurned the counsel of the Most High. So we bowed their hearts down with hard labor. They fell down with none to help. Here they are now working the chain gang. Here here they are now uh, 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 wearing the orange jumpsuit. They're in prison. They're in chains now. They're handcuffed and, and all of that. Why? As verse 11 said, they rebelled against the words of the Lord. They spurned the counsel of the Most High. They broke His law. And now, because they've, made, they've uh, uh, done the crime, now they've got to serve the time. So they're in uh, affliction. They're in prison. They're, they're doing forced labor and all of that. And, and they're crying out for help, but there's no one there to help. They are in legal trouble. Well, next, the third group is those uh, who, is, who are in a moral uh, distress. Look what he says in verse 17. Some were fools through their sinful ways, and because of their iniquities suffered affliction. They loathed any kind of food, and they drew near to the gates of death. Just like the person in a bad relationship, they're suffering the affliction now as uh, the consequences of their choices are now right here in front of their faces. And they're weary now. They're depressed, as it says there. They loathe any kind of food. They drew near to the gates of death. They're, they're thinking there's no way out of this relationship. There's no way out of, out of this situation. You may have done something, and on hindsight, you look and say, that was a dumb thing for me to do. I shouldn't have done that. But now you're going, but I can't do anything to get myself out of it, right? I, 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 I've spent, I've maxed out my credit cards, you know, I've, I, I, I've gone, you know, over here, you know, chasing this person over to this uh, place, and now I don't have a place to live, and I don't have any money, and all of that. All of these uh, decisions that you make that look good at the beginning, but now you look and you realize that wasn't wise, and now I'm stuck. So you have uh, these uh, uh, economic distresses, these legal distresses, moral distresses, and then you have these natural distresses. Look at verse 23. Some went down to the sea in ships, doing business on the great waters. They're just, they're just doing, you know, on a business trip, just doing their job. They saw the deeds of the Lord, His wondrous works in the deep. For He commanded and raised the stormy wind, which lifted up the waves of the sea, They mounted up to the heavens. They went down to the depths. Their courage melted away in their evil plight. They reeled and staggered like drunken men and were at their wits' end. All they wanted to do was make some money. All they wanted to do is go over to the next port and continue their trade and all of that. And now here they find themselves because of this storm that God brought onto the sea. They are now, as it says there, at their wit's end. They're, they're trying to get the water out of the boat. They're trying to row. They can't row. They are about to drown. And surely there are some of you who have felt that. Everything was fine at the beginning of 2020, Right? And then all of a sudden, here comes this global pandemic. And now, with all of this global pandemic, your job is in trouble. And if your job's in trouble, your mortgage is in trouble. And if your mortgage is in trouble, then, 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 then the health of your family is in trouble. Your, your bank account is in trouble. All of these things are in trouble. You didn't ask for this. You did nothing for this to happen. This just happened. It, it, it's like a storm that God threw on you at the worst possible time. And now you're going, I don't know what to do. The poor, the prisoner, the fool, the shipwrecked, each one is in a distress 
Each one is in a crisis situation, and yet each group of people had a praise for the worship service. You say, how in the world could they possibly praise God after going through situations like that? Well, look. Verse, uh, look at verse 6. Flip back up to verse 6. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. Look at verse 13. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. Look at verse 19. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. Oh, why don't you take a peek over at verse 28 also. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. Now, I just have to be a little bit honest with you. I'm a bit of a hardhead, and I kind of need people to repeat things over and over and over again for it to sink in. So when it says here that they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress, all four groups, all four had the same response. And look what God did. Hmm. If you're in a situation like this and you're wondering how in the world do I get out of this situation, perhaps you should pay attention to these verses. Cry out to the Lord. Scream out to Him. Like me in that bathroom in that church. Say, God, I don't have any other way. There's no way that this is going to happen, Lord. You and you alone are going to have to come through or we're done. And God hears that cry. God hears that cry. I just, I just want to know. I just want to know. I can't see the folks online, uh, so I can't, I can't tell how many are, 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 are going to do this, but just a show of hands in here. How many of y'all say, I know exactly uh, what that type of situation is about, and I cried out to the Lord in my trouble, and the Lord delivered me from my distresses. Put your hands up. I just want to hold, hold them up. Folks, look around. Look around. We have a story to tell. You have a story to tell. You were in the, in the hospital bed and God came through for you. You were the one looking at your bank account going, there's no way that this is going to work out. And all of a sudden, God provides something right in the nick of, of time. You were the one who was facing legal trouble and all of that. Perhaps your house was about to be foreclosed on because you couldn't keep up with your payments or something or, or, or something similar to that. And God showed up right when you needed him the most. Do you have a testimony? Do you have a story? Tell your story. Look what he did for the, uh, for, for the one in economic distress. Look at verse 7. He led them by a straight way till they reached a city to dwell in, for he satisfies the longing soul and the hungry he fills with good things. God replenishes the poor. Look what else he does. He, he, he not only does that, he releases the prisoner, the one that was in legal trouble. Look what it says in verse 14. He brought them out of darkness and the shadow of death, uh, and burst their bonds apart. Verse 16, for he shatters the doors of bronze and cuts into the bars of iron. God's the one who breaks them out. God's the one who sets them free. God's the one who, who releases them from prison. God is the one who revives the fool, the one that made a moral uh, 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 blunder. Look at verse 22. He sent out his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. In that time where they were most depressed over the decisions that they had made, God was a balm to their soul and helped walk them through that situation into a path of wisdom. Look also, God is one who rescues the wrecked. 
He made the storm in verse uh, 29. He made the storm be still and the waves of the sea were hushed. Then they were glad that the waters were quiet and he brought them to their desired haven. In each situation, they gave their struggles, their hurts, their fears, and their sorrows to the Lord, and the Lord delivered them. Note, their sin may have been great. The situation may have been devastating. But the Lord heard their cry. (laughs) There is no sin too great. Can you hear that? There is no sin too great for our God. There is no situation too grave for our God, that he can't hear your cry and deliver you. Some of you all know this. Those of you who raised your hands, you know this because your life is living proof that this is the God that we're talking about. You've seen what he has done. You were the one that was in poverty. You were the one in handcuffs. You were the one in the downward spiral. You were the one sinking. You were the one that was at your wit's end. You had no other options. The only way that you could make it out was if God heard your cry. And whether it took hours or days or weeks or years, he heard you. And he delivered you. He redeemed you. He reversed your course because he's the God of the YouTube. You must share this story with others. Oh, this is so good. Excuse me, share how you were once broke, but the Lord took care of your needs. Share how you were once a knucklehead and the Lord in his grace set you free. Share how you were once a fool, but the Lord healed you. Share that you were once drowning and the Lord stabilized you. Share these stories. And when you do, give thanks. Look at verse eight. It says, let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love for his wondrous works to the children of man. Look at verse 15. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. Look at verse 21. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. Even verse 22. And let them offer sacrifices of thanksgiving and tell of his deeds and songs of joy. Look at verse 31. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. Let them extol him in the congregation of the people and praise him in the assembly of the elders. Oh, there's a song that uh, my bride loves to sing. It's, it's becoming an old song, and, and that's traumatizing because if it's old, I'm old. Uh, but it's an old song from C.C. Uh, Winans, gospel singer. The song's called Alabaster Box. It's a song from Luke 7. The sinful woman who, who has an alabaster box of perfume, very expensive perfume, and she, she breaks the box, which opens up the perfume, and she takes that perfume, and she massages our Lord's feet with the, with the perfume and washes his feet and dries it with her hair. And, and, and Cece sings this song, uh, and my bride sings it so well. You get to the chorus, and, and, and she says in the chorus, you weren't there. You weren't there the night he found me. You did not feel what I felt when he wrapped his loving arms around me. 
And every time I get to this song, I just go, I got a story to tell. You see, you can, you can look at me and you could say, you know, he's, he's kind of weird. He keeps talking about Jesus and all that. You weren't there. You weren't there when I was stuck in my sin. You weren't there when I was stuck in that situation. You weren't there when he found me, when he heard my cry and he came to my rescue. You don't know the cost. You don't know the cost of my praise. And that is exactly what you have to do with other people. Tell them, show them with your lives what he has done for you. Of course, we can talk about all these redemption stories, but there's one more that I just got to talk about. I, 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 can't, I can't not talk about this. You see, because we were trapped in financial situations, we were trapped in uh, legal situations, we were trapped in moral situations, we were even trapped in natural situations. But, but, but please understand that all of these redemption stories are kind of like short stories. I, I got to talk a little bit about the epic, okay? The epic story is my distress and my trap was worse than all of that combined. Because you and I were trapped in sin and under the wrath of our God. And there was no way out. We thought that if we just kind of improve ourselves, you know, because we read that book, you know, where the author puts his face on the cover, you know, those books, you know, the ones that are like 10 steps to a better you, you know, and, and you read these books and you read them. And after you go through them all cover to cover, you realize I'm in the same spot that I was before. This didn't help me at all, you know. It, it makes me feel better about myself, but it certainly doesn't give me any better standing before God. There's no way that me, that I and my imperfections are able to work my way out of my imperfections. There's no way that I, a sinner, can, can unsin myself. I can't do it. The only way that I can be saved is if there were a sinless man who is not only able to perform the righteousness that I could not perform, but then would love me enough to take my place. And that sounds like a pipe dream. That sounds like a far-fetched fable. But let me tell you, that is the best news on earth. Because that man exists. He is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And he laid down his life after living perfection on our behalf he's the one who gave himself up as a sacrifice for our sin he's the one who took our unrighteousness as we're going to be reading romans i can't wait until we get into romans as he takes our unrighteousness and puts it on his shoulders and says just strap it to my back i got it for you and not only that but he takes his righteousness and straps it onto our shoulders and says now whenever god looks at you he sees me and calls you just mm, that is such good news our God, I know, I just, I just want to throw something too. Our, our God is the Redeemer. He doesn't just redeem us from our personal crises, but he redeems us from our eternal crisis as well. We have a story to tell. There are some of you who may say, you know, I, I struggle, you know, with, with, with sharing the gospel. You know, I have a hard time going and talking you know, about all these things, because I know people are going to have all these questions and stuff, and they're going to be like, you know, they're going to throw something, you know, well, what about, you know, Jonah and the whale? I mean, what's up with that? You know, and, and you're, and you're flat footed and you're like, I, I, I don't, I don't know, you know, what to, what to do with that. Uh, 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 and then you roll in Southeastern and we're grateful for you. Uh, <laughs> we're, we're glad that, that we can benefit from your crisis. But, uh, uh, but, but, but there's, uh, there's something else that you can do. Okay. 
There's something else that you can do. Tell your story. Tell your story. Remember the blind man in John 9? His theology you know, was great. He just didn't know all the words to say. Here's what he did know how to say. I once was blind, but now I see. <laughs> That's about as theologically sound as I need. You know, I don't, I don't know all the ins and outs. I don't know how it works. But all I know is I was once not seeing and now I am seeing. So whoever he is, I'm going with him, right? I'm putting my trust in him because he must be exactly who he says that he is. And you can do the same thing. You know, I don't know all the words. I, I don't know all the vocabulary or anything like that. All I know is this. I was stuck. And when I cried out to him, I found myself unstuck. <laughs> I was in distress and I found him to be my joy. I was struggling and I found him to take the burden off of me and give me this peace and give me this joy of knowing that my sins are forgiven, that I no longer have to hold my head down, but I can hold my head high because I'm a child of the living God through our Lord Jesus Christ. I got a story to tell. And you do too. Thank you. And so let's, let's, let's share these stories. But, but, but there's, there's a reason that we need to share these stories with folks, okay? We need to share these stories with others because they shape us to see God's U-turns in society. This story is going to go somewhere. I want you to, want you to see this. The, the tone completely changes once we get to verse 33, okay? Completely changes. We went from uh, these testimonies of people one after another after another, saying what God has done in their lives. And now he's going to turn really into a wisdom psalm. Like the genre of the psalm just completely changes. And now we look and we see that he's making observations about what God does in society. Look what he says. Verse 33. He turns rivers into a desert. I mean, I thought we were talking about God taking us from bad situations and putting us into good situations. Yeah, here's the thing. God can do the opposite too. He can turn rivers into a desert, springs of water into thirsty ground, a fruitful land into a salty waste. Why? Verse 34, because of the evil of its inhabitants. See, God is able to make U-turns against the wicked. See that there? If God is able to take me out of my distresses, God is also able to take people and put them into their distresses. That ought to cause us all to tremble. God takes rivers and turns them into deserts. He's not talking figuratively here. God has done that. And God can do it again. God can take a society that was experiencing all this blessing, but, but because of their evil, because of their wickedness, because of their sin, God says, no more will I bless you. I will take away all of that blessing and make this land a wasteland. But yet on the flip side, verse 35, he turns a desert into pools of water, a parched land into springs of water, and there he lets the hungry dwell and they establish a city to live in. They sow fields and plant vineyards and get a fruitful yield. By his blessing, they multiply greatly, and he does not let their livestock diminish. Notice, God will take what he has done against the wicked, and now he works it 
for the afflicted. Oh, this is deep. This is deep. Okay, what's going on here? What's going on here? Well, what's going on here is he's showing us what he does in society. He does this in society all the time. We get little glimpses of it, little snapshots of it. When God takes the wicked and says, you're not following me, and so I'm going to take this, uh, that, this good situation of yours and I'm going to turn it against you so that instead of it being a place of blessing, now it's a wasteland for you. And for those who are crying out in their affliction, for those who have been brought low, those who are needy, those who are hurting, he says, now I'm going to take you in that place of need and I'm going to bring you over here. God is able to reverse the fortunes of whomever he wills. This is the kind of God we serve. What about the, those who are, who are needy and so on? What happens when those who are wicked are in positions of power and they use that power against these people that God is seeking to, uh, 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 to bless and God is seeking to supply and provide? Look at verse 39. When they are diminished and brought low through oppression, evil, and sorrow, he pours contempt on princes and makes them wander in trackless wastes, but he raises up the needy out of affliction and makes their families like flocks. In other words, he not only provides for the afflicted, but he defends them. Now you hear all of this and you say, okay, I, I, I don't know what to do with all of this. Well, do what he tells us in verse 42. The upright see it and are glad. All wickedness shuts its mouth. Now, he could be talking here about what God does in society, in, in, say, our contemporary world. And it's sure he does that in our world all the time, all right? People who are, who are uh, profiting off of wickedness and so on, all of a sudden find their businesses shut, uh, shut down. God, God can take someone who has been enjoying uh, a luxury and everything, but living in a sinful way, and God could strike them down with bad health or things like that, or they die suddenly of a heart attack or something. That's the power of God on display, and we ought to tremble. And yet God is also the one who could take somebody who has been crying out for his help for years and years and years, and God now comes to their defense and says, I will help you. But I think that this is also something that we look forward to. You see, because those of us who are following Jesus, we know that life is not always easy. It's hard to follow Jesus. It's rarely popular to follow Jesus consistently. Oh, we can have little quasi-Christianities and things like that. We may win some brownie points for that. But when you want to go cover to cover, whole counsel of God Christianity, it rarely goes well for us in society. Somebody will not like you and will want to silence you. Welcome to Christianity 101. But here's the thing. God is building a city. I think that what he's doing here in this psalm is he's giving us a little glimpse, a little taste of the kingdom that is to come. There's going to be a kingdom when all wickedness will finally be silenced. There's coming a day where those who have lived and profited and even rose to power against the, the principles and the word of God, there's coming a day when even though they may rule and reign and enjoy their lives right now, even to many of our detriments, there's coming a day where God is building a city and they will be silenced. They will not be allowed into this city, but all who have been crying out to the Lord for help day in and day out, year in and year out, 
lamenting this walk as exiles on this world. There's coming a day when God is going to gather us, just as he did in the beginning of the psalm, from the north and from the south, from the east and from the west, and we will gather together in that city where there will be peace and righteousness and justice forever in the kingdom of our Lord and our exalted reigning Christ. And in that day, we will rejoice. We will celebrate. The journey will be over and we will be home. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. When you share your stories, you help us long for that final U-turn when the city of God will, be, will dwell right here on earth, when the new Jerusalem will be here and we will all gather and we will share our stories and say, look what God has done. That day is coming. Do you long for that day? Are you struggling to hope for that day? I've got a story to tell you. <laughs> you see, God has already turned my life around. And I know that in the end of days, God's going to turn all of this around. And when he does, it makes all things new. Those who are covered with the righteousness of Christ will rejoice and sing and shout on that day. So, for you who are here, who have been brought low because of the, the world that you live in, you've been brought low through suffering, brought low through affliction, brought low through uh, ridicule and shame, brought, brought low for all of these different things, lift your eyes to the God of the U-turn and anticipate the redemption that is to come. And to help you with that, all of us have a story to tell. Let's talk to each other. Let's say, hey, you know what God did for me this week? Oh, why? Because that keeps me focused. Focused on the day to come when the U-turn will be complete. And Christ will dwell with his people. All wickedness will shut their mouths on that day. And only Jesus and his people will reign forevermore. That day is coming. Let's continue to hope again. And let's keep our eyes open to all the different U-turns that God is doing in our lives to remind us that the U-turn is coming, and it is coming soon. Amen? Let's pray. So Father, I pray for your people today. There are folks who are experiencing all kinds of crises, all kinds of struggles And they're real, and they hurt, and they are deeply burdensome. Father, I pray that for those who have experienced your U-turns and are struggling right now, that they would dip into the archives, and they would recall the moments where God, where you came through in their lives, where you turned things around. You reminded them that you are God and you are ours and we are yours. And may it stir in them the hope that in the situation they're going through right now, you are still God and you are still capable of turning it around. For those, Lord, who are here who have never experienced the eternal U-turn, being brought from darkness into your marvelous light. Lord, I pray that they've heard of our Lord who died 
of our Lord who rose. Our Lord, if He is able to overcome sin, if He's able to overcome death, then certainly we can place our trust and our hope in Him. Lord, I pray that that would be the case today. May they turn from their sin and turn wholeheartedly.